You're listening to Her Hacks Podcast, a podcast by women in cybersecurity for everyone. I'm your host, Christine. Welcome to our first bonus content episode. This episode is a recording of our Twitter space from Tuesday, October 11th on how to get started hacking Bluetooth. All right, we're going to get started in a couple of minutes. I have my tea. I know I probably sound a little nasally because I'm sick right now. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited to get this going. Antonio, thanks for joining. Also, um, I wanted to mention congratulations on your 10th GXer. I think that's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. I think that's like, it's awesome that you got it. It happens to be Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So on Cybersecurity Awareness Month, you now have your 10th GX, sir, which is pretty cool. All right, so this will be recorded. Um, if anybody wants to speak, this is my first Twitter space. So you can, re- like, request to speak. Um, we're going to try to do questions at the end. Um. But I want to get started with kind of like a generic overview of what Bluetooth is, because originally I wanted to do this Twitter space on AirTags, um, but then I realized if you don't really know a whole lot about Bluetooth, a lot of the nuances of AirTags and just Apple products in general might be confusing. So I wanted to talk about broader Bluetooth in general, and then later we can get into specific types of tags like air tags or tile or things like that in future sessions. So if you've never heard of Bluetooth, um, which you probably have, uh, you might just have used it maybe to pair to your AirPods or to your Beats headphones or something like that. But it is considered ultra high frequency radio and it runs on the 2.402 gigahertz to 2.48 gigahertz band. It's described in the IEEE 802.15 specification. So um, if you've ever heard of IEEE 802.11, that is for wireless communications. Um, So this is similar to those types of radio frequency from the IEEE perspective because they write specifications on many of the protocols running in those bands. Um, So this is considered 802.15. So in its most widely used mode, um, transmission power is usually limited to 2.5 milliwatts, um, which is technically a somewhat shorter range of about 10 meters or 33 feet. Um, But there is commercial class Bluetooth that actually has a range of 300 feet. And so you might be thinking, well, I've used Bluetooth before or I've seen it used where I've gotten around 100 feet of connectivity, even if it's a pretty degraded performance. Um, And that is true, even though it's not technically within the specification or officially supported, your Bluetooth devices can work um, sometimes up to 100 feet. If you've ever used a radio before, you probably know that there really isn't a correlation between RSSI or RISI, which is signal strength and distance. So it really just depends on the radio. Cheaper Bluetooth devices probably don't have a very good range, but more expensive Bluetooth devices will have a very good range. And because it's a radio, it does depend on 
the components, the wattage, the antenna, the direction the antenna is pointing, um, any spells you've casted or any, what's the word I'm thinking of? Any sacrifices that you've made to the demo gods <laughs> if you're like me and trying to do a Bluetooth demonstration. So there is also um, a lot of different modifications that have happened to the Bluetooth protocol over the past uh, 20 to 30 years. Originally, it came out as Bluetooth Classic, but Bluetooth Low Energy is a somewhat newer protocol. And that was created because Bluetooth devices were using a lot of battery, and that was not good for consumers. So instead, they wanted to create Bluetooth Low Energy, which is just a more passive protocol. It basically means that there's a server that's required to initiate different Bluetooth interactions. So if you're trying to do Bluetooth collection, there really isn't that much of a difference besides um, the access address. So you will see in all Bluetooth low energy packets, there is a static access address. So you'll see a static series of bytes at a specific offset. And that will just let you know that it's Bluetooth low energy. Um, nowadays, you're mostly going to see Bluetooth low energy unless you're sniffing like some kind of commercial protocol, which is unlikely. So now that I've kind of explained what Bluetooth is, we're going to talk about how you can hack Bluetooth yourself. There's two things that you need to do if you're hacking Bluetooth. First, you need to be able to sniff traffic because you want to be able to sniff any traffic from other people or from the devices around you or any traffic that you've created. And the next thing you need to be able to do is also create that traffic. So I'm going to explain how you can sniff Bluetooth and create Bluetooth. And Honey is very excited about this topic. Okay, so first, um, sniffing tools. One of my favorite tools is called an Ubertooth, and you can buy it from Great Scott Gadgets. Um, so the Ubertooth is somewhat expensive. I think the one that I most recently bought was around... $130, I want to say, maybe $140 with shipping. So the best place to buy it is from Great Scott Gadgets, and that's just because they are the original manufacturer, so if you're going to buy it from somewhere, you probably want to get it from them. I did see one at Walmart, and I almost bought it just because I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, what if it's like some kind of knockoff, but it still works? But then I just didn't want to waste the money, so I didn't buy it. Um, and I ended up just buying it from Great Scott Gadgets. But if you see, like, an Ubertooth on, I think it's, like, Alibaba or something, or Walmart. Like, I, I just, I can't recommend buying it not from the direct manufacturer. And so you can't actually buy it from the Great Scott Gadgets website itself. But if you go on their website, they do have recommendations for your country. Um, and if your country is not listed just reach out to me um because i can help you find an alternative or we can figure out a way for you to get one so another great option is the nrf sniffer which is created by nordic semiconductors so the nrf sniffer is somewhat better and worse than the uber tooth so the way that it's better is that it doesn't have as high of a um, range because the antenna for it, for the ones that have antenna connectors, can be a lot smaller. And they actually sell dongles themselves, so you don't have to put an antenna on it. It just has a really small antenna on the dongle. And so those are great because if you're trying to do Bluetooth collection and 
you don't want to have a lot of like extra traffic around because you're not in a Faraday cage, then the NRF is awesome. But if you are using, if you want to collect like as much traffic as possible, I would say the Uber tooth is better because it just has like phenomenal range. The downside of that is if you're collecting too much Bluetooth traffic, sometimes it can crash your VM. So an issue that I've run into using the UberTooth is if my VM doesn't have enough resources to connect thousands and thousands of packets all at once, uh, sometimes it will crash. So the NRF sniffer is definitely better for that because it just it doesn't collect as much, so it's a little more reliable. And also, um, let's say you're trying to collect information from a specific target, you can just hold that target like an AirTag right up to the NRF sniffer, and it will basically give you mostly that traffic and you won't get a lot of extraneous traffic. So if you want to run an UberTooth or an NRF sniffer, I definitely recommend using a Linux machine. Um, this is because both for UberTooth and for NRF, you have to build different packages to support the Bluetooth module. And I just find that Linux is the most reliable. Um, I've only ever been able to get these tools working on Linux. So whether that's using a Ubuntu VM on my computer or having a machine that either is only booting into Linux or dual booting into Linux and then running off the bare metal. Those are like honestly the, the two best ways I can suggest because unfortunately, just for other operating systems and other platforms, it's not as reliable. If you don't have an UberTooth or don't have an NRF dongle and maybe you don't want to um, drop that kind of money because they are over $100 each, you actually can use your bare metal machine to also collect Bluetooth traffic. So there's two tools that are really awesome. Um, there's HCI tool and GAT tool, and those are actually built in to your Linux distribution. So again, using a bare metal Linux machine or a... Linux machine that's in a VM, you can try to use these. I have to caution you though against using one in a VM because I don't know how um, HCI tool or GAT tool would necessarily work once in a VM because that means it would have to interface with your external module. And if you've used a VM before, sometimes the way that the interfaces work aren't like that reliable. Even using like the UberTooth with a Linux VM which is what I've done, the pass-through situation is not always super reliable. So I'd recommend using HCI tool and GAP tool only on a Linux bare metal machine. Speaking of sniffing Bluetooth traffic, let's say you live in an apartment, you're probably going to find a lot of other people's traffic and you don't necessarily want to do that because if you're collecting all this other traffic, it's going to be hard to isolate to whatever experiment you're running. So there are some options for you either try to use a sniffer that has a very small antenna like an NRF sniffer or if you somehow have the means um, you can use a Faraday cage so um, there is a box that I think it's like around a thousand double check the price of a Ramsey box now that they are under supply chain constraints um, but you can buy a Ramsey box and those I think are normally, um, yeah, they're like about a thousand dollars depending. I'm just looking, it looks like on eBay, 
you can buy one for like $550. Um, and so that's really helpful because you can use that to isolate all of your traffic. So what I've done in the past is um, I've used the Ramsey box connectors to put my Uber tooth or my NRF sniffer inside the Ramsey box. Um, and because it has a Bluetooth or a USB connection, you can use the USB connector to connect that and keep your laptop outside of the Ramsey box. And then all of your collection stuff goes inside the box. Um, so that's very helpful because then you don't have to worry about collecting anybody else's traffic and anybody else messing up your experiment. So now that you know all of these different ways for you to sniff Bluetooth, um, let's talk about some of the generation tools that you can use to generate Bluetooth traffic. So you can actually use GatTool to generate some traffic as well, um, and that's built in to your computer. You can also use Python if you want to generate Bluetooth traffic. So there's a module for Python called PyBlues, and that will let you craft different Bluetooth packets, which is super awesome. So something that I like to use because I do a lot of AirTag research and I'm really interested in IoT devices is I use this thing called a puck.js. And so the puck.js uh, is just a little JavaScript Bluetooth beacon and you can buy it on a bunch of different websites. Um, I've bought it from Adafruit. I've bought it from, I think I bought it from one other place too. You can, you can find them online. They're pretty easy to get and they're not that expensive. Um, so the puck.js goes for, I think around 40 or $50. And so that will just let you run JavaScript code and it uses a Bluetooth chip to generate traffic. So something that's really awesome about the Puck.js is it actually has the exact same Bluetooth module in it that an AirTag does. So um, for our research as the Furious Mac research team, we use the Puck.js because um, it was cheap and looked just like an AirTag, but it actually did also have that same Bluetooth module. So I highly recommend that. For other people in other countries, again, like supply chain has limited things. And so sometimes you can only buy things that are available in your country. So I was never able to buy one of these, but there is something called a micro bit. And I feel like a lot of people in Europe are able to buy these. And that is very, very similar to the Puck.js, but it, I think it actually has more features. But in addition to all of its features, it has a Bluetooth module. So you can use that. And then the most popular item for generating Bluetooth traffic is an ex expressive Wi-Fi and Bluetooth module. And that's the ESP32. So somebody actually reached out to me on Twitter and I wanna say thank you to um, Mohith because he was the one who sent this to me. There is a GitHub repo that has a Bluetooth CTF that's built on using that ESP32 microcontroller. So um, I thought this was awesome for anybody who comes away from this and like is like, well, I want to learn more about Bluetooth. You can do the CTF. So the CTF is called BLE underscore CTF. It's on GitHub under the repo name hack G-N-A-R. And um, it's super easy. So it wants you to use like the 
Pi Blues module, HCI tool, GAT tool. Um, you do need to have a Linux computer, either a bare metal Linux machine or a Linux VM. And then you need that ESP32 microcontroller. But this just seemed like a really awesome thing for people who are interested in playing around with Bluetooth traffic for the first time to use. So, okay, so I kind of went over how you can sniff Bluetooth traffic and how you can create Bluetooth traffic. But now I'm going to talk about my methodology for Bluetooth hacking. And so the way you want to do this is you have to make sure that your environment is, quote, uh, Bluetooth sterile. You don't want to be collecting a ton of different traffic because that's going to be causing problems. You might think that you're collecting something that's really interesting and it's not because it's like somebody else's traffic. So try to collect something from your target device either by isolating it or getting like a Ramsey box or something. Lately with a lot of my AirTag research, I haven't been able to use a Ramsey box or a Faraday cage. Um, so I instead do the cheap isolation technique of taking the battery out and putting the battery back in. So I will start at my Ubertooth and collect all of the traffic that's available to me and I make sure that my target device, my AirTag, is not generating any traffic and then I start filtering out all of the other traffic. So I just tell Wireshark, ignore this, ignore that, ignore that. And I basically try to ignore all of the other traffic around me. This is a little bit difficult because Bluetooth traffic contains what's called an advertising ID. Um, so just like your computer has a Mac address for like Wi-Fi and Ethernet connection, you also have a quote Bluetooth Mac address that's an advertising address. So it's hard to filter on that advertising address because the advertising address will change every 15 minutes. So if I am at like the end of the rotation period, then some of the devices will roll over and they'll start like spilling in. So you have to do this relatively quickly. So I just filter out for all of that and then I put my AirTag battery in and I turn it on and then I figure out what is my AirTag's advertising address, and then I filter only on that. So the next thing that you wanna do is to continue to isolate that traffic. So you have to look for like some static fields that won't change from the device and continue filtering on those because once the advertising address changes, and this, I mean, it's different for different Bluetooth devices. Most Bluetooth devices will have a 15 minute grace period where the advertising address will stay the same and then every 15 minutes it will rotate. So if you start collecting based on that advertising address, you have about 15 minutes to figure out what is another feature I can collect on that's going to be static and stays the same once this advertising address rolls over. Something else when you're doing Bluetooth hacking, once you've collected information from a target device or you let's say now you want to try and craft packets that are part of this protocol. Normally you can't just like send a packet and it will be ex accepted. And, and why is this? Well, because you have to follow the Bluetooth protocol. So you have to look for specifications online. So as an example, for all of the AirTag research that we've done, we've looked at Apple developer documentation to understand 
what the Apple protocols are for Bluetooth. So something that you want to look up is, is there authentication in this packet? Is there no authentication? And the easiest thing you can do is try to replay a packet that you've sniffed. So if you sniff something and you want to try and understand the fields, and let's say you found the specification and you understand all the fields, try to craft that packet and replay that packet and then see what happens. Because sometimes there is replay protection, but sometimes there's not. So it really just depends on the specification. And so performing replay attacks is the first thing that I try. Something else that you can think about when you're doing Bluetooth hacking is how does the pairing session work? Um, So certain devices like Apple devices have very kind of like locked down pairing protocols. And so you can't just like override somebody's paired connection with your paired connection. But there is a protocol called the Just Works protocol that actually makes it really easy easy to override. And so a lot of consumer electronics like uh, Bluetooth speakers will let you easily override any existing paired session with your session and there's almost zero authentication. Um, Something else to look for is off tags. So if there's communication between two Bluetooth devices and um, they're sending some information in the clear, you might think, oh, I can replay this packet or modify this packet and just copy the off, copy or man in the middle of the communication and then and change something and forge a packet. Um, and so you can potentially do this unless there's off tags because off tags are part of the AES GCM specification that will allow you to send follow on content. And so that prevents replay attacks. So just make sure when you're doing this to really try and read the specification. I definitely recommend just kind of like testing anything because sometimes you might send something and nothing happens. But I don't know, as a hacker, I always kind of just try things and see what happens. Kind of like fuzzing. The last thing you should probably do when you're doing Bluetooth hacking is try to narrow down your target to a specific manufacturer. This is because... A lot of manufacturers are the ones who are generating those specifications. So I've focused on um, Apple, but something you can do if you're just trying to do like a generic Bluetooth survey is survey all the Bluetooth near you and then create a document with all the different manufacturer specific tags that you've collected. So each um, Bluetooth device will likely have a manufacturer-specific tag, and that will be a completely static string in every single one of their Bluetooth Low Energy packets, and that manufacturer-specific tag is correlated to their company. So as an example, 004C is the Apple tag, and so if you look at um, a particular offset in every single Bluetooth packet, you'll see that same tag no matter what. The offset slightly changes because there is an optional um, packet that kind of gets in the way there, but I'm just gonna look up the offset. So your access address will be at a 24 byte offset. And then after that, there's either going to be three bytes or there's going to be one byte. And then just, there's gonna be four bytes or one byte depending on if there's an optional packet there. And then after that, there's going to be 
three bytes in a row that represents the manufacturer ID. And so you can figure that out by basically looking for an FF after the access address. And if you see FF, that means that there's manufacturer specific data coming. And then after that, there will be two more bytes with that 004C that is the Apple specific address. So everything that comes after that manufacturer specific address will be manufacturer specific data. Sometimes it's encrypted, sometimes it's not. So that's where you're gonna find the most interesting information when you're doing Bluetooth hacking, because you're going to wanna look at what is that manufacturer specific data that this device is trying to send out and receive from other uh, devices. Um, so this is gonna be a pretty short session. So I think I'm gonna open up the floor to questions now. Um, so if you're interested in asking me a question, uh, please request to become a speaker. Hey, Christine, thank you so much for you know hosting this for us. Um, where can I find more out about Apple Bluetooth data? Thank you, Rebecca. That's a great question. Um, so there's a couple of places you can find out more about Apple Bluetooth data specifically. Um, the first place you can find it is in the Furious Mac research paper called Hand Off All Your Privacy. Uh, you can also find it in some of our other papers like Who Tracks the Trackers and Blind My, which are both research papers that we've published over the last year and a half. Another place you can find it is by going to the Objective by the Sea YouTube channel and checking out my latest talk um, where I break down how I collect Apple-specific data and parse it. So I definitely recommend checking that out because I will break it down bite by bite based on that collection. Also for Apple, you can check out um, some other pretty awesome researchers. So there is a school called TU Darmstadt, which is in Germany, and they have a lot of awesome projects on their GitHub. There's Open Haystack that shows you how to create your own AirTag with an ESP32. Um, and then they also have some Bluetooth collection apps, which you can put on an Android device. So they have um, AirGuard, and that will collect Bluetooth traffic um, from tiles, air tags, and other like Bluetooth surrounding devices. So definitely check those out if you're interested in Apple traffic. Hello. Hey, Antonio. <laughs> How's it going? Hi. Sorry, I don't know how to use this thing. Um, it's okay, me either. <laughs> first of all, thanks so much for the shout out um, at the beginning. I appreciate it. That's awesome. Um, and my question is, you said that some traffic is encrypted and some is not. Are you finding that Apple's traffic is encrypted or no? That is also a great question. Um, and it depends. So um, some Apple traffic is not encrypted. Uh, for example, pattern of life information coming from your AirPods saying what AirPods in your ear and what AirPods in the case uh, information like the color of your cell phone, things like that. Um, so a lot of that information for some reason is not encrypted, but usually information between that's being shared between your devices, like the contents of your shared clipboard or the audio information 
um, is encrypted. So it really just depends. And something that's interesting, um, so Apple is using ASGCM for a lot of their, um, like, follow-on connections when they're doing um, paired data transfer. Um, So they are using those auth tags in the ASGCM specification to, I guess, prevent replay tags, but they're still sending information in the clear. And it's, I was reading the AES-GCM spec, and it's actually part of the specification. Like, oh, you can send information in the clear. It's totally allowed. But we just have these auth tags, and that makes it secure. And so I don't I don't really understand that, and I, I don't like that about the specification because, sure, it's fine to send information in the clear if it's not sensitive. But if it is sensitive, you should encrypt it. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's a great question. If anybody else has a question, maybe request to become a speaker. And I'll try to figure out how to make you a speaker. I wonder if Benio has a question. I have a question for Matt. Did you get your suitcase back in one piece? And did it make it back on the way home? Um, so I think I'm also, let me see if I can figure out how to like post. <laughs> I'm going to post a link to our discord. So if people liked this Twitter space, um, and you want to, you know, do more, we can host some voice, more Twitter spaces, or we can post voice chats in our discord. Um, so let me open discord and then I can post the link. Um, so definitely join our Discord for more information. Um, and if you're interested in finding out more about my AirTag research, um, just follow me, follow Her Hacks Podcast, follow Furious Mac, um, and we're going to continue publishing different research. Also, if you like Her Hacks Podcast, um, please follow us and check us out every Tuesday for your weekly security patches. Thank you so much for listening to our Bluetooth bonus episode. Follow us at Her Hacks Podcast. That's Her Hacks with an X for execute permission on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Don't forget to subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a future episode drop. And please leave us a star for each of our lovely hosts. That's five with an encouraging review. Click the join link for our Discord in our show notes or at herhackspodcast.com let us know what you think about this episode and also engage with me and the other hosts. This episode was sponsored by the Bluetooth Cartel. Thanks for listening.